Every writer that you meet will have that one script. That one script that is their heart and soul that they love so very much that has not been discovered yet. That's what this podcast is all about. We find those scripts, these unbelievably original gems, and we bring them to life with a table read of professional actors. Welcome to Undiscovered Scripts, Movies Made of Paper. Black Screen. Universal Studios logo, circa 1985. Faint sound of a clock ticking under the title cards that fade in and out. Steven Spielberg presents a Robert Zemeckis film, Back to Back to the Future. That dissolves into a bedroom. It is the bedroom that is filled with Back to the Future paraphernalia. Marty Hadler is clearly the movie's biggest fan. The credits continue as we see an article about Back to the Future and then Back to the Future poster, among other novelties. A digital clock turns over to 8 a.m., triggering a crude, if not advanced, way to automatically turn on the TV. A KTLA reporter sits behind a desk reading a teleprompter. The Senate is expected to vote on this today. In other news, the Peterson Automotive Museum has confirmed that three of their most valuable and rare cars were stolen last night. This is on the heels of several car thefts in the Beverly Hills and Brentwood neighborhoods. The FBI, who are investigating the matter, have no comment. In other news, there was a drug the shipment in Florida. The reporter fades into another story about a drug shipment in Florida. Marty Hadler is a good-looking 16-year-old kid. Maybe a little bit more Michael Sarah than Marty McFly, but fitting of his namesake. He grabs a remote control and presses play on a download of Back to the Future, which begins three minutes and 20 seconds into the movie when Marty McFly starts switching levers on Doc's amplifier. Marty Hadler smiles as he hops out of bed. As Marty McFly turns the overdrive knob on the film, Marty Hadler turns the knob on his surround sound system. The digital display races along with the overdrive knob in the movie. 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100. Marty Hadler grabs a guitar pick and a Guitar Hero guitar and puts on a pair of sunglasses as he faces his flat screen TV. Simultaneously with his on-screen persona, they both strike a chord. Marty McFly gets jolted back into a bookcase while Marty Hadler jumps back onto his bed doing his best Michael J. Fox impression. He sits up, staring at the flat screen with his sunglasses still on. He slowly takes them off and lip syncs Marty McFly's every word. Whoa, rock and roll. Marty Hadler stumbles out the front door, plugs in his earbuds, and presses play on his phone. The Power of Love by Huey Lewis in the News kicks in as Marty pushes off on his skateboard. He finds a bumper to grab onto and swings behind a Jeep Grand Cherokee. He lets out a wide grin. The soccer mom driving the SUV gets a peek of him from the rearview mirror and slams on her brakes. Marty smashes into the back of the Jeep and then onto the ground. His earbuds fall out. The power of love is no longer kicking. It has the tinny sound of earbuds that are a couple of feet from ears. Stop grabbing my bumper, it's not safe. Marty grunts in pain. The SUV pulls off. Marty is back on a skateboard, moving at a much more subdued pace, but to the same song. Marty skates his way through Burbank on his way to class. The song crescendos with that's the power of love when Marty arrives at school just in time for the bell. 
We're in a high school science classroom. The class is a flutter with noise. Mrs. Lewis, a blonde woman with glasses, is trying to shush the class as Marty stands front and center. Everyone knows that time is a linear device. Uh. The class groans. Please, Mr. Hadler. Time travel is possible. Astronauts travel forward in time by a fraction of a second every time they go to the moon. If you could move at the speed of light, you could literally rocket yourself into the future. Marty, the assignment is about energy, not movies. Marty motions to Mrs. Lewis that he plans on getting there. According to the theory of relativity... Mrs. Lewis raises an eyebrow. Time is a river. Marty motions to the whiteboard where he drew the line and then retraces it with his marker, then draws a slanted line down and draws another horizontal line across the board. But there can be an alternative reality. Marty. If you could just heat up isotopes. Marty. Yeah? What does this have to do with energy? Hmm? Everything? (laughs) This isn't a science fiction class, Mr. Hadler. But... You sound like a spaceman from Pluto. Hmm. Which is not a planet. Anymore. Marty only responds with a gaping stare while the bell rings. It's after class. Marty is shuffling down the hallway, enduring a few mocking sentiments space from his classmates. Way to go, spaceman. A vibration comes from Marty's pocket. It takes him a minute to grab his bearings, but he eventually pulls out his phone to see a picture of his family with a text alert from Mom. Don't be late for dinner, honey. LOL. Did I use LOL right? Marty rolls his eyes. It's later that night. Marty's skating home. He kicks his skateboard into his hands as he sneaks around the side window of his house and enters his bedroom through the window. As he enters his bedroom, Mrs. Hadler, mom in every sense of the word, happens to be walking by Marty's bedroom door with a basket of laundry. We have a front door, you know. I know. I think we even gave you a key. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. We are raising cat burglars around here. Later that evening, it's dinner. Mrs. Hadler brings over a bowl of sweet potatoes to Mr. Hadler, mid-40s with a striking resemblance to Michael J. Fox, and Marty's younger brothers, Clint and Parker. Clint is 12 with a bushel of curly hair, and Parker is 7 with a mischievous glint in his eye. Marty swings around the newel post and lands with a thud at the base of the stairs. Ah, Marty! We've had to get that replaced twice now. Sorry. Marty grabs a seat at the table and digs into the potatoes. Dude, don't hog! Marty grins at Clint. Mom, I want some. There is enough sweet potatoes for everyone. There'd better be. I can't afford another new post and more potatoes. Mrs. Hadler smiles across the table at Mr. Hadler's joke. Mr. Hadler smiles back, and then his concentration breaks. Hey, everyone excited about the movie tomorrow night? Yeah! I don't know why we have to go see some old movie. It's not old, and you wouldn't even... I know why you like it, Marty. Boys, boys, you don't have to go if you don't want to. But Back to the Future is the reason we're all here right now. Clint lets his fork slide out of his hand and sighs as though he's heard this story a million times. Your mother and I... Clint starts mouthing the speech along with Mr. Hadler. Had our first date 30 years ago at the premiere of Back to the Future. And it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if we all went to the screening tomorrow night. Uh, 30 years ago. Seems like yesterday. (laughs) I heard Michael J. Fox was going to be there. Oh, I hope so. (laughs) Truth be told, your mother fancied Mr. Fox quite a bit. And she thought I looked quite enough like him to spark our little romance. Mr. Hadler reaches for Mrs. Hadler's hand. 
No, you're much more handsome. Mrs. Hadler leans in for a kiss. Oh, gag me, please. Mrs. Hadler turns her head back towards her boys and shoots them a disappointed look. After dinner, Marty is up in his bedroom surfing the internet, looking at various websites about the physics of wormholes. Mr. Hadler appears in the threshold and knocks on the door. Good day at school, Marty? Marty turns to his father. Not bad. Good. Mr. Hadler sits on Marty's bed. We got a call from the principal today. (sighs) I know you're good at science. Why doesn't your science teacher think so? Did you tell mom? No. (sighs) Marty's relieved. It's good to be passionate about things, Marty, but you have to stay focused, too. I'll do better next time. You'll follow the instructions of the assignment? I promise. On my way home from work, I noticed they were setting up for the screening in front of the Arcolite. Marty's eyes widen. The DeLorean was out front. Marty sits up straighter. You wouldn't want to go check it out, would you? Marty doesn't need to say a word. His eyes say it all. Marty and his dad pull up across the street from the glowing Cinerama Dome lights of the Arclight. And there it is, on the red carpet and blocked off with stanchions, the DeLorean. Marty and his dad share a smile. The Sunset Boulevard sidewalk is lined with red carpet lights and Back to the Future 30th anniversary posters. Marty makes his way over to a Struzan-inspired flyer that is taped to a glass window. Marty pulls it off the glass, folds it, and shoves it into his back pocket. His father calls for him. Hey, Marty. Marty goes over. It's something, isn't it? Do you think this is the one? Sure. Look at all that detail inside. Marty does his best to maneuver around the velvet ropes to peer inside the window. He can barely make out the control panel before the pitter-patter of rain starts dancing off the windows. Marty looks over to see his dad opening the door. What are you doing? Don't shh me. You're going to get us in trouble. Mr. Hadler looks around. How many chances are you going to have to sit inside this car? He motions for Marty to get in the passenger seat. Marty looks around reluctantly, crosses the velvet ropes. When he pulls open the gullwing door, a wave comes over him and he's instantly lost in the moment. He slips inside the car next to his father and closes the door. Mr. Hadler's phone rings. He pulls it out of his shirt pocket and sees that it's Marty. I think you just butt-dialed me. Marty looks around the DeLorean and mindlessly clicks the button on the top of his phone without looking. The rain has turned into a full-on downpour. Mr. Hadler is looking at the model of the flex capacitor in the back. This is definitely the car. Marty nods as he runs a hand over the time circuit lever. He pushes it forward and the display box lights up. No way. Awesome. Must run on nine volts or something. I bet the whole thing will be lit up tomorrow night. I wonder if it works. Marty and Mr. Hadler share a look. Marty reaches over to the time circuit and types in October 26, 1985. The numbers appear in the display window. Marty lets out a gasp of excitement. Good year! Marty nods. Movie wasn't even out then, though. Mr. Hadler types in July 3rd, 1985. The premiere. The day your mother fell in love with me. But that wasn't the beginning of the story. Marty's dad punches in February 24th, 1985. Marty looks inquisitively at his father. That's the day I fell in love with your mother. The day we met. The day you hit her in your car? She hit me! A car went right through the red light. I slammed on my brakes, still took out half the car in front of me. It never stopped, though. But your mom bumped into me, and that was it. The second I looked into that rearview mirror, it was love at first sight. 
For me, at least. Took a few months to convince your mother. I don't think I remember that part. Well, you've got a lot of things in your mind. Girlfriend? Mm. Marty shifts uncomfortably. Before Marty can reply, headlights flash over their faces. Go shit. They open the car doors and sneak around the corners fast as they can, getting soaked in the rain. They find cover and laugh at their panicked reactions until Marty hears voices. Marty motions that he hears something. What? Mr. Hadler can hear the voices now, too. Two men come around the corner wearing dark clothes. One of them has a tool bag, and the other is wearing dark sunglasses. Mr. Hadler and Marty recoil. Security? I don't think so. The men approach the DeLorean. The guy with the tool bag starts rummaging through his bag, while the guy with the sunglasses pulls on the handle. The door swings open wide, and the men look at each other. (laughs) That was easy. The guy with the tool bag pops open the steering console and cuts a couple of wires. Not security. The guy with sunglasses looks up towards Marty and his dad. Mr. Hadler grabs Marty's arm, freezing. They look shocked. The man starts walking towards them. The guy with the tool bag grabs a gun from his tool bag and stands up as well. Marty's eyes widen. We have to run around the block to the car, okay? Marty nods. Now! Marty and his dad sprint through the arc-like courtyard. The car thieves are right behind them. The Hadlers duck into the parking garage and run full speed past a series of pillars. Marty and his father turn out of the garage and back into the rain. Mr. Hadler slips on a manhole cover and hits the curb hard. Marty swings around and yells for his father, but his cries are drowned by a thunderclap. Marty runs back and falls to his knees. Dad! I'm going to duck in there. Mr. Hadler motions to an archway. You've got to get out of here. You've got to call the police. The guy with the tool bag is running through the parking garage. Mr. Hadler is moving towards the archway with Marty's help. Dad! There's no time to talk about it. Just go. I'll be right back. Go! Marty sprints towards their car, around the corner, and into the plaza again. He checks his pocket for the keys and realizes he doesn't have them. Tires screeching. Two shots ring out. Marty freezes in horror. The headlights from the van turn on and point right at him. The driver of the van, sunglasses, floors it right at Marty. Marty starts running back towards the front of the arc light, fighting his way through the rain. He jumps back into the DeLorean, grabs the two free wires from under the console. He looks confused. He has no idea what he's doing, but he crosses the wires. The DeLorean revs up. Marty jolts up with surprise. He throws the DeLorean into gear and peels off the red carpet just as the van cuts in to sideswipe him. The DeLorean narrowly escapes. The van bowls over the stanchions and careens headfirst into a wall. The DeLorean peels down Sunset Boulevard. Marty's face is filled with fear. The van backs off the wall, screeches forward down Sunset. Marty looks in his rearview mirror. Through the rain-clouded window, he can see the van lights chasing him. He downshifts. The speedometer creeps towards 70 miles per hour. Jesus, this thing is slow. The DeLorean slowly chugs down Sunset. The van bumps the rear of the DeLorean and thrusts Marty forward. Shit! Marty shifts again and the DeLorean creeps up to 80 miles an hour. The van inches away from Marty's bumper. 85, 86, 87 miles per hour. Marty looks down at the odometer. 88 miles per hour. A bolt of lightning strikes the DeLorean. Blue lights envelop the car as flashes surround Marty and the DeLorean, transporting Marty to Sunset Boulevard. It's not raining anymore. Marty looks in his rearview mirror. There's no more van. He's confused, but slams on his brakes and spins the DeLorean around, racing back to his father. The DeLorean whips around Ivar Avenue and skids to a halt in front of where Marty last left his father. The archway is still there, but there is definitely a different feel to the street. 
Marty looks around confused. Dad? Marty checks his pocket, pulls out his phone. He punches in 911 and hits send. Nothing is happening. He looks down at his phone and it continues to say dialing. Then, no service flashes across the screen. No service? Marty jumps back into the DeLorean and races up Sunset where his dad's car was parked. It's not there. He sighs with relief and then pulls off with the DeLorean. As he drives, the sun is starting to rise over the valley. Marty's face goes from concern to relief as he surveys the interior of the car. He digs around the glove box and finds a Walkman and a pair of headphones similar to the ones used in the movie. He allows himself a smile. I'm sorry, officer. I had to steal the DeLorean to get home. No, no, you don't understand. Someone else was going to steal it first. Marty shakes his head, pulls out his phone, and tries to call his parents. The photo of his family comes up on his phone as it tries to dial, but the only thing that actually appears is a no-service message. Marty pulls into the driveway in front of his house. His dad's car isn't there. In fact, there's a Dodge Dart instead. He hops out of the DeLorean, gives the car a good stare, and makes his way to the front door. He tries to open the front door, but without any luck. He pats down his pockets, no keys. He bangs on the door. Mom! Dad? No answer. So he goes around the side of the house and pops open the latch on the screen window since he's done it a thousand times. He pushes open the window and crawls into a bedroom that has the same dimensions as his but is completely different. It's pink. There are stuffed animals everywhere and posters of Tiffany and Cindy Lauper on the wall. Marty takes a moment to survey the room. He looks very confused. A tiny yawn comes from the bed where a lump is turning over. Marty turns to face the lump as the blanket is pulled off to reveal a girl. She opens her eyes wide. Marty widens his eyes in surprise, and they both scream. <laughs> the girl flies out of bed and picks up a floor lamp to defend herself. Whoa, whoa! Marty backs out of the door as she starts swinging it at him, hitting him on the back. Hey! He finally gets to the hallway where a strange man and woman have come to see what all the noise is about. What in the hell is this? To his wife. Who is this? The wife screams. He says to his daughter, Is this one of your boyfriends? No! No, 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 no. Marty's backing his way towards the door with his hands up. Sorry, sorry, wrong house. Marty turns and runs out the front door, tripping his way to get out. When he finally gets to the door, he makes his way outside. As he runs outside, he turns to check the address on the front door before stumbling to the DeLorean. The strange man continues to chase him out of the driveway as Marty backs out and speeds down the street. In broad daylight, things are looking a little different. The cars are a little older, the homes are a little newer. Marty passes kids waiting for their school buses. The girls have bangs and jelly bracelets. The boys are wearing a lot of neon and stonewashed jeans. Marty continues back towards Sunset Boulevard. The differences couldn't be more evident. He looks up to see giant billboards for movies. The Breakfast Club, Brewster's Millions, Fletch, the Goonies. There are advertisements for new Coke and MacGyver. The gas stations are selling gas for a dollar and nine cents. Marty pulls into a Texaco gas station and runs into the store. Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go by Wham! can be heard on the gas station speakers as Marty makes his way to a stack of newspapers. The newspapers say February 24th, 1985. Marty is in disbelief. He runs outside and looks around. There is a woman in leggings and big hair pumping gas. Kids outside of a station wagon fighting over a Rubik's Cube. The gas station attendant comes outside and grabs a paper from Marty. He's got a mullet and a ridiculous mustache. Uh, that's a quarter, Ace. Marty just stares as the attendant takes the paper back. In disbelief, Marty hops into the DeLorean. A gaggle of girls who look like they walked out of an aerobics class shout after Marty. Killer car! 
Marty looks around the interior of the car for some evidence that this is in fact a time machine. He is in disbelief. Woohoo! He bangs on the steering wheel with equal parts frustration and joy. I can't believe it works. And then he realizes, Dad. He starts the car, thinks for a moment, then changes the date on the keypad to July 3rd, 2015. Okay, 88 miles per hour. Marty puts the car back in gear and pulls out into typical Sunset Boulevard traffic. The DeLorean is going nowhere fast. Great. Marty is sitting in traffic on Sunset Boulevard. He decides to let some space build up from stoplight to stoplight. He punches it and gets all the way up to 18 miles an hour. Marty sighs. He turns down Sweetser Avenue and tries again. And again to try to get the car up to a decent speed. Speed bumps, stop signs, and traffic are all obstacles. Marty makes a left down Romaine and sees an opening. He stops the car, puts one foot on the brake, and another on the gas. The tires start spinning. Smoke goes everywhere. He lets his foot off the brake and makes a run for it. He gets about one block before a station wagon pulls out and he takes the front bumper right off. The driver of the car is a young Mr. Hadler. 17-year-old version of Mr. Hadler, who looks eerily like Michael J. Fox in the Back to the Future movies, slams on his brakes after a blur of a DeLorean goes by and is rear-ended by young Mrs. Hadler. He looks up in his rearview mirror to see young Mrs. Hadler, fresh-faced and beautiful. Mr. Hadler's mouth gapes at the sight of her. The DeLorean is limping along. The front axle is broken and the whole passenger side has a gash in it from the bumper to the rear quarter panel. Marty looks defeated. As the DeLorean limps along, a bus pulls alongside with an advertisement for Universal Studios theme park. Marty stares at the ad. The DeLorean hobbles up to the front gate of Universal Studios and pulls into the security kiosk. The security guard, a chunky man in his 50s, takes a look at the DeLorean in shock. I know this sounds ridiculous, sir, but I need... You don't need to make excuses to me, son. They're just going to wonder where you've been and what in God's green earth happened to this thing. The security guard presses a button and raises the gate for Marty and the DeLorean. Marty nods at the security guard and plays along. The DeLorean weaves in and out of the sound stages on the Universal Studios backlot with some interested onlookers. Marty smiles and tries to look like he belongs. A tram car pulls up in front of Marty. It's a tour of the backlot. And this is what we call a picture car from one of our new movies called Back to the Future. This one looks like it's been in a bit of a movie crash. Don't worry, everyone. There's lots of professional stuntmen here at Universal Studios. The tour guide's voice fades as Marty awkwardly waves at the barrage of tourists taking photos of him. The tram finally ends, revealing the Hill Valley set for Back to the Future. Directly in front of Marty is the clock tower and dozens of people buzzing around the set. There is a bang on the hood of the car that startles Marty. A man wearing headphones and holding a clipboard is waving him forward. Dude, they're looking for you. Marty nods and pulls forward. Is... Is the car supposed to be like this? Into his walkie. Is there a car crash in this show? To Marty. Is this supposed to be like this? Marty shrugs as he pulls forward. The guy wearing the headphones points to the left and rolls his eyes. (sighs) What do I know? Marty turns left and pulls the car up to a bunch of monitors where there are a lot of director's chairs and people milling about. Through the crowd, a young Robert Zemeckis pushes his way through to see the car. Marty is shocked. What is this? To an assistant. What is this? The assistant shrugs. I don't know, Mr. Zemeckis. What happened to the car? To the assistant. 
What happened to the car? <sighs> the assistant shrugs again. To Marty. Kid, what happened to the car? Marty gets out of the car. He looks around. Everyone is staring at him. It's not supposed to be like this? Zemeckis drops his arms in disgust. He turns to a man with glasses and a stupefied expression. Bob Gale, writer. Is there a car crash I don't know about? Gale shakes his head no. Did we write a car crash? Gale shakes his head no again. <sighs> Will someone get Pike out here? To Gale. I told you, we should have stuck with the refrigerator idea. You can't crash a refrigerator. Steven? Steven! A young Steven Spielberg walks up behind the car. To Marty. What happened to the car? Marty shrugs. To Gale. Did, did you write a car crash? Gale shakes his head no again. To Zemeckis. What happened to the car? I don't know, Stephen, but we're at a point where we can't wait for this car any longer. Oh, okay, calm down, Bob. I wanted a refrigerator. I, I know. I wanted a refrigerator and a nuclear explosion to cause the time travel. You can't crash a refrigerator. I, I know that, Bob. We, we, we agreed that someone hiding in a refrigerator during a nuclear explosion is, is ridiculous. Well... Someone getting a DeLorean up to 14 miles per hour to generate enough speed for time travel is even more ridiculous. Spielberg to Marty. Kid, can you get this back to the shop? Zemeckis walks away upset. <sighs> We're going with the fridge. Spielberg and Gail share a look of concern. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. That is the end of our first episode of Back to Back to the Future. If you'd like to listen to episode two, please tune in. For more information about this script, along with details of the cast and crew, please visit our website at moviesmadeofpaper.com.